Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I am joined today by Jason Caldwell and Mark Murphy as we are now past the halfway point, kind of hard to believe, of Auburn spring practices. As we're recording this on Wednesday evening, they finished up their eighth practice of the spring tonight. Of course, it's 15 total, culminating with the A-Day spring game on Saturday, April 8th. And so, you know, we were talking before we got rolling, Jason and uh, and Mark. You know, we've learned a lot so far. Um, you know, we've we've now kind of got a little bit more data on on all the position groups. Still, nothing necessarily mind blowing about. You know, this is still a staff that's kind of figuring things out as they go along. And Hugh Freeze clearly set the tables in saying that, you know, we want to just get good at a few things. This isn't going to be a, you know, this isn't going to be a world beating team by the end of spring practice, but. Um, you know, one of the good things so far has been has been all the data we've been able to collect just by talking to so many different coaches and players. I mean, today was just another great example of that. We talked to Jeffrey Emba, of course, who has a great um, you know story coming over from from France, and he's now in his second year with the team. Talked to Rivaldo Fairweather, the FIU transfer um, at tight end, and then you know we're, we're kind of slowly cycling through the, uh, the the assistant coaches, which again, most of them are new, um, and so we're learning a lot about this team as we go along. And so, thought today's episode would be a good way. Um, kind of give a bit of a midterm report, if you will, um, kind of now that we're at the halfway point of spring practices. But yeah, guys, uh, I guess I'll start with you, Mark. You know, that's been that's been a big plus so far um, for spring practice. I know you and I missed a couple of them because we were uh, at the NCAA tournament, but uh, getting to talk to so many different guys and and hearing their perspectives. And, um, you know, there's a lot of new faces on this team, especially like uh, like Emba, who's been here now for a year and then got to talk to Fairweather today um, today as well. And so, you know, we're learning a lot as we go along about this uh, this new team and the new staff and um I'd say we got a, a good bit under our belt so far through uh, through eight practices. Right, and I did an article today on Zion Puckett, who's been here since spring practice 2019, and he said he went through some dark days. The team went through some dark days, but he's really excited about you know what he's seen so far in spring practice. And you know, one of the things I enjoyed about pro day of this week was talking to the older guys coming back. And of course they talked about the new facility, how much they liked it, but they also talked about, you know, the vibe around the program, Nathan and Jason, and it's just upbeat. And uh, that's what we're sensing too. And uh, I think these guys are are having fun at football this spring. And uh, I think they're all trying to prove to their new coaches, you know, they need to be out there playing uh, in the fall and, uh, I really do believe every position is wide open. The new coaching staff is giving people a fair chance to prove what they can do. And, uh, you know, just going out and watching practice, my observation is there are a lot of new guys out there. It's a very different roster than we saw 
uh, to close last season. So uh, all things considered, halfway through spring practice, I think things are going fairly well right now, guys. Yeah, there's a few injuries to speak of. I guess that's kind of the the newsy part we'll get to. Of course, if you're listening to it at this point, you probably already know, but um, you know, Johnson's Tate and Malcolm, both on the offensive side, um, for Auburn will not be participating the rest of the spring. Uh, you got Tate Johnson. Again, that's got to be frustrating for him. Another elbow um, issue. Of course, that was his season-ending surgery last year when he started um, the first four games of the season. And then Malcolm Johnson Jr. at receiver, a guy who's, who's been around the block now for for a while with Auburn, but he's also he also hasn't had a chance to um, really get get rid of those nagging injuries. And so another one for him, it's collarbone. Um, we saw him in a sling at practice. So both of those guys are going to be out the rest of the spring. Um, you know, Jason, you you talked to Hugh Freeze about it on Monday, um, particularly with with Tate Johnson's injury. And then we went and saw it at practice. Um, you know, of course, it's got to be next man up. And, you know, a guy that you and Christian were really high on uh, on the offensive line, a true freshman. Connor Liu at you know and he's he's not playing center right now he's at guard which Tate Johnson was at guard um you know working with that first team group we saw him getting some first team pace reps and and he really started off the spring strong and I know you guys were really high on him as a as a potential contributor in year one it certainly looks like he can uh he can definitely uh, contend for that this year yeah talking with you know even Jake Thornton and um you know Joe Bernardi before he left to go to Troy some of those guys after Connor Liu signed they thought that that he was a guy that would contribute really early in his career and thought he had a chance to <clears throat> to work himself into the starting lineup, if not at center, at guard. And then they went out and got Avery Jones, and, and that was a big deal for them at the center position. And so able to slide a guy like Connor Lou to guard, and it's it's what you have to do. You you have to be able to do those things on an offensive line. It 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 adds so many more numbers when you get a guy that can play multiple positions. And and you know if you're that's that's why you look at you know you know, the most valuable guys on an offensive line are that, you know, we talked about Austin Troxel the last few years, even with his injury, Austin Troxel was a guy that could play either guard spot, either tackle spot, Alec Jackson were guys that could play multiple spots. And so having that kind of guy is, is, is really valuable. But Connor Lou as a true freshman, when you start talking about, you know, he's only had eight college practices under his belt and he's working with the first team. It, it tells you a couple things. It tells you the kid's really smart and he's pretty darn talented. Also gives you an idea of, of what they're up against, um, you know, because that that shows you the lack of depth on that offensive line. We talked about newcomers. They're going to have to show up and they're going to have to be ready to go. And that includes true freshmen. It's not a great position to be in, but he's also a guy that I feel like can handle it, uh, especially with some veterans around him. And so far it looks like, you know, I mentioned Avery Jones, looks like Dylan Wade, looks like Gunner uh, <clears throat> is going to be, Gunner Britton is going to be, you know, what they thought he was. You got Jeremiah Wright there. You got Cam Stutz. So you've got some guys around them potentially that have played a lot of football. So if you have to depend on a guy like Connor Lou early, then the good news is, is there's a lot of older voices that would be around him on the offensive line. Mark, everyone, of course, always wants to talk about these quarterbacks. And Hugh Freeze has been honest since the beginning about you know what he's seen, what he continues to see, what he wants out of that position group. And uh, Monday of this week might have been the most honest he's been um, so far, you know, he, somebody asked him, is that group sort of holding back your offensive install at the moment? And I forget who asked it, but it was sort of a, uh, you know, carefully kind of tiptoey question. And, and Hugh Freeze was just, you know, fired right back. And he was like, yeah, oh, absolutely. They are absolutely. They're holding us back, um, at the moment. And so, you know, kind of what he was talking about was, you know, he feels like the, the want to is there, um, and they're, and they're certainly bought into what they're doing 
right now, but he's just going to keep pushing this group because that trio right now of TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, and, and Holden Garner, of course, it's not the most you know tip-top talented quarterback room you're going to find in the country, but it, it is what Hugh Freeze has to work with right now, and he's going to hold him, like you talked about, to that SEC standard like he has uh, for his you know pretty prolific quarterback rooms in the past, but it seems like they, they still have a long way to go over the, the second half of spring practice because Hugh Freeze said exactly as much. Yeah, one of the interesting things uh, on the way you approached it, Nathan, was, uh, you know, he said, we've got to do a better job of coaching it. So he didn't actually throw them under the bus completely. He said, we've got to reevaluate how we're teaching things and making sure we're all on the same page as offensive coaches and making sure, you know, they're completely clear about what they need to be doing in any particular situation. I don't think they're messing everything up. I just don't think they're reading things as quickly or as accurately as the coaches would like them to, uh, especially in the, in the quick RPO game, that type of deal. But, uh, you know, talking about Holden, Holden Gurner, the redshirt freshman quarterback, he threw the ball very well at pro day. In fact, he threw the ball more accurately than Cam Newton, who was the other quarterback there throwing. And uh, that certainly got my attention. I knew he was a good passer. I'd seen his high school video and I watched him practice, uh, you know, last year, but he's definitely, and I watched him practice this year, but boy, out there with all those NFL scouts, I don't know, got him excited or what. There's like 75 scouts there. And uh, that I heard him talking about what a good job he was throwing the football. So, you know, that, that got my attention. So he's definitely not the run threat that Robbie Ashford is. And he doesn't have as much experience as the other two guys. But, you know, I think I've seen a lot less talented guys play quarterback for Auburn and have success. But a lot of success, as you two guys know, is uh, it's between the ears. And, uh, yeah, a lot of guys have – talented arms, but you got to get the ball the right place at the right time. You got to be tough to uh, stand in the pocket and throw the ball when you're under pressure. So it's one thing going out there and and throwing with nobody getting ready to knock you into the dirt. It's another thing doing it in real live game situations. So um, I have no idea who's going to emerge as the starting quarterback. Do you guys have a theory on who it's going to be? No, and but, but you're right. That's, that's the, the separator and they haven't had a chance to have those kind of things yet. I mean, they've had a few scrimmage situations, but it was really limited situations. This Friday will be more of those things from a scrimmage standpoint. Um, those are the things that, that separate quarterbacks. And you're right, Mark. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys over, over the years that can stand there and throw the football. Um, and I'm not, I'm not knocking Holden Gardner because I think Holden is going to be a really good quarterback, but, there's there's so much more to, to being a quarterback than just standing in the pocket throwing the ball. Um, you're right. And we heard it from from you know Hugh Freeze on Monday talking about, you know, the RPO game, how they like they've got to make those decisions in the quarterback and wide receivers. And that's the two groups he mentioned. Quarterback, wide receiver. Those groups are are behind because they're doing something completely foreign to them based on the last two years at Auburn, because Auburn did not RPO. They didn't do those types of things. It did a little bit where year one didn't do any of that last year, really. And and that's what you you got to do in this offense. That's a staple of this offense is to, is to do the RPOs and do those things. And he talked about, hey, we have to teach it different. They're going to have to do some different things with it because you're right. They're learning an offense 
they're trying to get situated with an offense and also learning how to do something that they haven't done. Um, Oregon did a little bit of it a few years, but Robbie Ashford didn't play. And so, you know, TJ Finley, um, maybe a little bit at LSU when they were still doing some of those things and done much of that in two years at Auburn. And obviously Holden Garner, you, you learn an offense, that offense switches in year one, and now it's a completely new offense heading into year two. Um, same thing with Robbie Ashford. You come in, learn an offense, it switches halfway through the year, and now you got a new offense. So they, they're going to be swimming. There's no question about it. And I, I didn't think we would learn much other than they had a long way to go in the spring, and that's pretty much where we are right now. Do you remember back in 2013, they were trying to sort out uh, who was going to be the starting quarterback, and finally they decided to go live a couple of weeks before opening day. There's this guy named Nick Marshall who was pretty doggone good in a scrimmage, and uh, they gave him a chance to be the quarterback, and that turned out to be one of the better offenses in Auburn history with him leading it. Yeah, and and you know it, it you know that's the thing, and, and Nathan wrote about it in in terms of of Malik Willis, but it holds true with Robbie Ashford as well. The thing that he does that's a separator, he's not doing right now, and so. It, it's forcing him to do the other parts of his game. It'll be good for him in the long run, um, but it's also going to expose him a little bit because you can't lean on, I'm just going to go break a bunch of tackles and, and run for 80 yards. Um, that's fine, but they're blowing the whistle. And right now, that you're not doing those things. And so, Nathan, I think that's where this race is is far, far from being anywhere close to decided. Yeah, and it comes back to the same reason that T.J. Finley has – jump to the front of the line in past, you know, off season practices. Mm -hmm. What is he, what is he really good at? You know, he's a guy who's a veteran. He's he, we know he's taken to these offenses really quickly um, and he's got a good arm and he's, and he's, he's a good athlete in the pocket and he's able to push the ball. And so, you know, he has kind of those, you know, factors working for him. Whereas maybe some other guys, like we mentioned, Holden Gurner, well, does he need to get the feel of a game a little bit under his belt? Correct. Yes. Robbie Ashford, does he need to take some contact before he can really feel like he can get things going? So, you know, maybe as a baseline, like you were talking about, um, I thought you know, it was a good quote from Hugh Freeze. He said, the things we're doing in practice right now, you know, I didn't know if Malik was going to be good at those things until you see him in a game setting. And so, you know, there is more data on Robbie Ashford, of course, I think he said, you know, how many snaps Willis had taken at Auburn yeah, in a couple it was, years? Yeah, I mean, not was, many. And every 15, one of them. And every one of them. Was, zone reads. Yeah, every one of them were Wildcat quarterback, basically zone reads. And he kept the ball. Like, it just, he didn't really hand off any of them either. I mean, they were all keepers, designed quarterback runs. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely different. And so, um, yeah, you're right. Bobby Ashford has a lot more. But, again, he, he has a lot more and basically in two different offensive systems in the same year. And and you can you I think you watch it and you go okay there's some positives there some negatives there the same thing with all those guys and that's what they've seen I think so far to spring too from all those guys yeah we'd be remiss we kind of uh, hovered over it for a second but pro day was on Tuesday uh, Cam Newton became the <laughs> the centerpiece of it the night before putting out a video saying that uh, that he was going to throw at pro day of course his younger brother Kalen played here a year ago and then he went to play his final season of, of college ball at William and Mary. And then we talked to Kalen Newton after Cam Newton didn't, didn't speak, but um, you know, Kalen, it really kind of seemed Mark like the biggest reason for this 
was for him to support his brother because he asked him to. He asked him to come throw. This was not a, oh, Cam Newton's had this in the works. This is going to be his path to an NFL comeback. It seems like that's on the table if you know teams are impressed by him and knowing that he's out there. And, you know, like, like Kalen said, he wants to still, still show he's got it, still show he's in shape, still show he's an NFL quarterback. Um, but but yeah, as I wrote about afterward, like family first was kind of the was kind of the message there. And uh, man, it, I, we had no idea, you know, 48 hours in advance, they had kind of you know, kept things under wraps. You know, Shed Jackson even said it was just a few days ahead of time where Kalen texted him. He was like, hey, my brother's going to come. Uh, my brother's going to come throw to you on pro day if that's all right with you. And, you know, of course, all the Auburn guys there, I thought it was pretty funny, Mark. Uh, even somebody like a Marquise Burks who came over from Juco, he was like, man, Cam Newton was my hero growing up. Like, it was amazing. He was like, we're best friends now. So, uh, you know, he, you could really feel his, uh, feel his gravity in the building on, uh, on pro day. He, he sort of stole the show. Yeah. Kalen said that uh, he, you know, he asked him to come and he said he, he wasn't surprised at all. He showed up and he said, that's my brother. I knew he was going to be there. So, uh, yeah, I think Kalen was excited about it and, uh, it, it was, you know, talk about Shedrick Jackson. Boy, I thought he did really well. Um, on my stopwatch, I had him 4 2 in the 40, and uh, he he was really, really quick. And I think the official time was pretty close to that as well. And uh, Tank Bigsby ran a really good time. He ran 140, and he was happy with that around 4 around four four two or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. That's what I had on my stopwatch. And uh, he also – I watched him – do some of the running back drills and uh, I thought he looked quick there too. So I think he wanted to prove um, to the NFL scouts that he's a little quicker than he showed at the NFL combine. So I think that was successful. Um, uh, Killing Zire, he, uh, he was very pleased with his workout. Uh, it was pretty funny. He said it was kind of frustrating waiting around and going through a bunch of non really serious football type uh, drills and questions and everything. And finally he said, last 20 minutes, we got down to it and really played, did real football drills for offensive linemen. And that's where he got a chance to show his uh, athletic ability uh, out there in his quick feet. So, um, yeah, it was a good pro day. Uh, all 32 teams were represented. Several teams had more than one scout there. And uh, I don't think anybody really bombed out out there uh, at all. So, uh um, it, it was it was a good solid NFL pro day for Auburn and uh, those scouts um, they see a lot of guys in a short period of time. For example, they were at Troy the morning before they came to Auburn, and then they headed over to UAB and uh, next is Alabama. So uh, um, they get to see a lot of guys, and uh, I think the whole thing went pretty well. And one thing that stood out to to me too, guys, was uh, a lot of the guys had been gone for a couple months. They'd been off else out training elsewhere. And they mentioned how they were welcomed back by the new coaching staff and how they felt comfortable. And they were all saying there's some wow factor of the new football performance center. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that a couple of guys stayed. John Samuel Schenker was a guy that stayed here and trained and and I talked to him um, recently, and he talked about how much he really liked this new strength staff. And John Samuel Schenker was a guy that really liked the old staff. And he and he's you know Luke Deal kind of said the same things. Look, I like the old guys, 
but I like I really like this staff and like what they're doing and 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 Mark this for 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 us that's been been around for a while you hear similar things that we heard when when guys talked about Kevin Yoxel it's it's a very similar concept where everything is around football it's all football related when when you know those guys didn't bench press they didn't bench press in 2004 when they were you know because he said everything everything's on your feet you you don't lay on your back trying to push somebody off of you if you do you're in trouble everything they did with their feet were on the ground because that's a football stance and so um i think it's 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 kind of back to those things where it's, it's a football centered workout instead of hey let's just get big and strong um well that's fine but you also if you do those things you get worn out in 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 late in games and we saw that we saw the team the last two years just completely fall apart almost at the end of football games um i think they've realized and and because you're playing tempo too you got to be in good shape to go along with being a good football team and that's hey, you got to do more than just run stadiums that that's that's fine and it works and it looks good but there's got to be more than that if you want to 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 win in 60 minute football games and then i think that's what they're trying to do under the staff yeah kevin yoxel like to talk about strengthening all parts of the body and being in good shape and he said you know football teams that are in really great all-around shape tend to have fewer injuries a 2014 example that was a very healthy football mm-hmm. team it was a, a team that was in great shape too so if you were in a close game with those guys in the fourth quarter, you had a problem because they were going to become going strong to the final whistle. Yeah, Shed Jackson was absolutely flying <laughs> on his on his forty. It was it was the one where you know there's kind of that that kind of hum over the over the field on pro day. All you can pretty much hear is the uh, all the electrical stuff working in the in the building because everybody is obviously very focused on the scouts are taking their taking the notes and shed Jackson was the one when he came running by, that was when the mumbling started and everybody looked down at their stopwatches and looked at their notebooks. And you know, we were talking about it today, Jason, we were leaving the the complex after interviews. Like, I mean, why can't that be a guy that, that, I, that goes and plays special teams I, for I, you? I think he's going to play in the NFL for a while doing that very thing. We've, we've seen guys do it before. Um, you know, and, and and there's been a couple of guys that left Auburn that became special teams guys, um, and and made a living. Um, I think Shedrick Jackson, we we've seen him. You know, the last few years, he's been the guy that was the gunner on punts, that was down there and making plays on the ball inside the ten yard line and doing some of those things. He's physical. He's not scared of contact. <clears throat> we just saw the speed, and he's not a he's not a guy that's doing that at 165 pounds. I mean, Shedrick's not. I mean, he's not a small guy, and so I think about him being a potential special teams guy for a team and um, talked to a couple NFL guys that I know. And, and they're like, that absolutely could be his ticket. And and I think, you know, he, Hey, he understands that he understands you got to do whatever it takes. And that's why guys play special teams because that shows that willingness to do whatever. And that could be the difference between, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's going to be a draft at the end. And quite frankly, you know, we've seen it over the years. You're probably better off, picking where you want to go uh, late in the process. But I don't think there's any question that Shedrick Jackson probably helped himself as much as anybody. And probably John Samuel Schenker right there as well with his strength and, you know, athleticism. Um, not a speed guy, but there, there's still a few teams out there that are looking for somebody that can be, you know, a plug-and-play guy as a true tight end, 
slide him back in if you need a little fullback at times, do some of those things. There are not many of them left, but there's somebody out there, and, and he could be one of those guys as well uh, to help on special teams. The guy who surprised me was Brandon Council. <clears throat> he's had all these knee injuries. and got. He, I think he did 29 and a half inches on the vertical jump. I was just, like, startled. I said, I said, were you surprised at that? He said, no, I'm mad. He said, I did 32 and a half inches in one of my training sessions. I wanted to jump higher. And uh, for a guy who's 300 pounds plus and had like three or four knee injuries, that was pretty impressive. So, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, Jason, guys that can play more than one position. He's a, an example of a guy who can play all five positions on the offensive line, which may give him a chance to make an NFL roster. Yeah, you know, the, the guy, what we just what you just don't know is, is you know, how much age is going to impact. Um, True. He's a guy that's, you know, 24, 25 years old um, and how much that could impact a guy like that. I think it, it you know, it's going to make it tougher. And, you know, you talked about, you know, t- there, there's a, lots of factors that go into it. Tank is a guy that, you know, it, it's going to take the right team and the right fit for somebody to go, hey, that's my guy because it's a really deep running back room. And because of that, people are going to go, hey, I'm just going to let him slide and, and hang around for a little while. I think there's I think there's two running backs, I think B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, and then there's probably a dozen that are in the next group. And, you know, there'll be some, it's going to take somebody going, that's my guy, I want that guy. And – I think Tank could be that for the right team. And, heck, it could be in the second round, into the third round. But you know, there may not be a whole lot of difference between a bunch of guys. And, and you know, that's that's always a, a tough one because you just don't know what you're gonna, what's going to happen. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think around senior bowl time, especially with how impressive Derek was, it was okay. He can be, he is most likely your first guy off the board. You might still be in that situation, but with what Owen did at the combine, which by the way, he didn't do anything. He got measured and he was like, I'm just going to hang yeah. out because I mean, why, why yeah, he did, he did the linebacker drills. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, in fact, I actually videoed him. I was looking at him again this morning and he looked pretty quick in the linebacker drills. So, there are a lot of pro scouts there watching him, Nathan. So, obviously, um, he's got their interest, as you mentioned. Yeah, you know, sweeping the board pretty much at the top of the line at the at the combine. But then, and then also, like you mentioned, Jason Tank Bigsby has been impressive. Um, looked really good at like like we talked about. He boosted that forty time. I thought it was interesting, Mark, when he was talking to us afterward, um, saying that he skipped out on a few, you know, pushed back some meetings with some NFL teams, some interviews. 
um, because he was he was focusing so much on on gun training and you know, trying to trying to boost up that that 40 time. So, yeah, like you said, Jason, if you know, if that's your guy, if tank is your guy, if Owen is going to be a lot of people's guy after what he did at the combine. But, you know, maybe one of those guys will sneak up. I would not be surprised if that's kind of a cluster, if, if, if they kind of, you know, Derek tank and Owen kind of yeah, all come I off the board see, around the same time. I could see that too. And you're right. I, <clears throat> and this, this will have been kind of telling people about Owen for a while. He's not a middle linebacker. He had to play middle linebacker at Auburn, but that's not what he is. He's going to be a, he's going to be a, a nickel linebacker in the NFL. He's going to be a true outside guy that's in coverage that they'll blitz off the edge, do some of those things, but he's going to play in space. And um, I mean, I, I remember vividly going to watch him and, and, and it was him and, and Colby Wooden playing against each other. And, and Owen Pepo played nickel, not nickel linebacker. He played nickel the entire game. And that was his senior year of high school. I mean, he's out there covering wide receivers and that's his game is, is playing in space, doing those things and, and giving you run support. So I think he's that guy. And then, yeah, I, we hadn't, we hadn't mentioned Colby Wooden, but I don't care what he runs. I don't care what he does. That guy's going to play in the NFL for a dozen years and is going to be a really good NFL football player for somebody. Um, and so I think for him, it's, it's fit. He, he need, you know, I think looking for, you know, that, that, that three, four look where he can be a three, four end, um, you know, at 290 pounds, do the things he does. Um, and, you know, he's going to give some somebody that pass rush ability. And um, But I, I think a lot of these guys fall in that same category of he's going to be a great teammate. And that's a big deal for NFL teams when you start bringing guys like that into a, a locker room. And, and there's going to be some of these guys that, that that's going to maybe push them over the edge. There's absolutely no question as to Colby Wooden's interview skills. Uh, at the combine and then at pro day and whoever's called him up since has uh, has figured that out. He's obviously, you know, he'd be different in a job interview setting like that than he is with us. But um, if that was our last group interview with Colby Wooden, then uh, it was a good one because he's a, <laughs> he's always a hoot. Even even brought his his mom was standing behind recording us or taking pictures and he shouted her out and brought her into the conversation. So. Um, yeah, he's great. Yeah, like you, you know, it's kind of an, a pretty productive pro day. These aren't always, uh, you know, they're not always that notable. You know, it's just something, of course, you have to do to get a lot of the testing on there. Um, but you had a few standout guys for Auburn and guys who maybe maybe turned some heads. And then, of course, you had Cam Newton um, at the end of the day. So, uh, guys, we'll you know we'll touch on a few more things about this this team uh, before we before we get going. Um, a couple more standout names I wanted to mention because people always you know say, oh, you know, who's the breakout? player you know for for spring football and you know on offense or defense we always seem to have somebody i don't necessarily know about breakout player um but mark it's it's impossible to talk to anybody who is involved in the secondary whether it's one of the two secondary coaches or it's one of the players in the secondary without them bringing up kai and lee like zion puckett had that answer ready he's like who is somebody who's standing out to you right now and he's like i got one for you kai and lee you know and zach etheridge and and uh and crime dog have been heaping praise onto him and He's got an opportunity because that's a that's a cornerback room that as good as it is at the top, it doesn't have a lot of scholarship players on it right now. It it might in the fall it when they bring in their you know the rest of this class. I think they're bringing in three more freshman corners in this uh, in this class. But for right now, Kyan Lee got on campus I think at the right time and um, apparently is is doing things really really well. He can kind of continues to impress his uh, his teammates and coaches. Yeah, every week we've gotten glowing reports from somebody about how he's playing. And he's 5'11", you know, about 185, so he's got good size. And uh, um, 
apparently he's just got the it factor, which is uh, if you got that at cornerback and you're going in and and uh, having a really good spring practice as an early graduate, there's absolutely no reason not to expect him to play this fall. And even though Auburn returns some veteran cornerbacks with starting experience, I think he's going to play. And, you know, you got to have a lot of defensive backs in, in the SEC and college football. Uh, and these days you need to have five on the field a lot of the time. Occasionally you'll have six guys on the field. So, you know, he's a guy that can come in and, and play coverage. And if he can do that effectively, hey, he will play a lot. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, somebody that, uh, you know, Zion Puckett was pretty fired up about and talked about him two or three times during the interview uh, today. Yeah, Jason, we we mentioned his name before, but I thought we got not only a lot of – today was great with Jeffrey Umbaugh, um, and we'll, we'll have a story about that on our site on Thursday after we talked to Jeremy Garrett, the, the defensive line coach. On Thursday, a lot of great stuff from him about his own individual journey and development, um, but just more context on the D line as well, including what I thought was a very we, and we met, we talked about this for a while today, like uh, very important quote at the end, him talking about rotation on the defensive line, and we have been talking about that on this show in particular since the Brian Harson era began because we were kind of it was maddened by what was happening, um, and I'm going to pull up the exact quote while I while I continue to to ramble here, but uh, it seems like Jason that, that they're going to do a better job of that. They certainly have the bodies for it this season. And there were a couple guys that, uh, that Jason Jones, or excuse me, that uh, Jeffrey Umbaugh talked about um, along that D line who are going to have a chance to contribute. Here's the quote. He said last year, I feel like we didn't play a lot of D linemen. There were guys. Sometimes we had guys who could have gone in and played the way the coaches have designed the D line. Now they really want to play a lot of players. I like the idea because last year it was complicated. He said it's about to be great. And so we've mentioned that having, you know, two or three good waves of defensive linemen. They they have that right now. Maybe they're a little thin at edge, but Keldrick Falk stepping up obviously is a big part um, of that equation. But, you know, those three transfers were massive for them on the D-line. And that's what Emboss said today. He said those were the pieces to the puzzle. Like we we needed those guys to come in and do what they're doing. And so far it seems to have those pickups seem to have worked out really well for them. Yeah, and you know this this may be a team that has to to be more traditional than they've been the last two years. We've seen them play two edge guys at the same time and just two middle. This may be more of a traditional three four, where you have a Marcus Harris and a Jeffrey Emba with uh, Jason Jones or Justin Rogers inside and three big body guys, and in one stand up where the and if that's if that's Keldrick Falk or Elijah McAllister, you're talking about 275 and 260 even at that spot. So that's a big defensive front. But there's a lot of bodies there, and you're right. It wasn't just last year. Jeffrey Embo wasn't here two years ago, but it started two years ago um, when when they didn't play a, a bunch of young guys and those guys left. And it, it that started the trend to put them in a position where they had to go, just like they did on the offensive line, they had to go sign a bunch of defensive line transfers too because they were in a hole and they didn't have enough bodies. And so you have to go get uh, Masai and uh, Nasili Kite. You have to go get uh, Justin Rogers. Uh, you have to go get, you know, all, Mark all these bodies. Yeah, yeah, Johnson, you have to go get all these guys that they had to bring in in addition to to bringing in high school, uh, you know, guys, Stephen Johnson and, and and some of these guys. And, and obviously you bring in uh, um, Brenton Williams and Keldrick Falk and Elijah McAllister all at that Jack position, they had to do those things. And um, 
you know, and, and so you start talking about that. Didn't oh didn't mention uh you know Wilkie Denod either. And and so you 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 have all these newcomers that are adding to this depth, and there's a bunch of it. Uh, you know, when you think about an easy sledge, a guy that redshirted last year, uh, getting Zykevis Walker back in that group as well. And I mean, there's a lot of bodies for three positions uh, now, and and that's here's what's beneficial about it. If you don't have Nick Fairley, or if you don't have that guy, you don't have you know what Georgia's had the last couple of years. If you don't have that one guy that is just a dominant force. And even if you do, the guy needs a rest to be able to play in the fourth quarter. But if you don't have one guy, then the best thing you can do is wave after wave. You give wave after wave of guys, keeping those guys fresh, rotating, and you can wear out an offensive line. It can happen. And that's what this what the team can can do now. They're able to do those things. You still need that, you know, a couple of difference makers. And I think they got the potential to get those guys. Um you know, Justin Rogers sure sounds like he's a guy that's going to be a difference maker for this team. And, you know, 330 pounds playing the nose, but pretty darn athletic. And his, I mean, he's built like a house. Obviously, Jason Jones is huge. So you got more guys in the middle and then some bigger body guys that are pretty athletic. And the linebacker group, you know, that, you know, Hugh Freeze talked about, hey, one of the, one of the, maybe the, the standout positions in the spring has been linebacker with bringing in Austin Keys and Demario Toll and having some of those guys. All of a sudden, you go front seven. Okay, might be pretty good shape uh, in a, a pretty good spot. And then you got some guys back in the secondary. You know, can you find a guy that, that can get after the quarterback? That's that's still the, probably the biggest issue. But they think they got numbers and they got depth. And if they roll those guys, and it sure seems like they are, then that would be very beneficial for this defense. Yeah, you talked about the linebackers, Jason, and we'll 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 close on this one. Um, just a couple. Transfer guys today, um, they lost two linebackers in less than 12 hours. Both guys who were reserves, uh, Cameron Brown at the beginning of the day here on Wednesday, decided to, to be a grad transfer. Of course, that was uh, you know, that's Derek Brown's younger brother um, who who came here and, and didn't really didn't really end up playing much. He actually only appeared in one game um, at Auburn, but now he has an opportunity to be a grad transfer with uh, with a degree from Auburn in hand. And then later in the evening, um, Des Tisdall, who has kind of floated around in that second, third wave for a couple years. We saw him last season, and I think the year before a little bit too, against run-heavy teams, yeah. mm-hmm. side-zone teams, uh, because he's so you know he's so strong and physical coming downhill, um, but just wasn't able to, to get into the rotation as being a guy who um, could do a ton for them at linebacker. But, you know, Mark, it's, you know, Jason just talked about it. It's important to hear things like that linebacker group is doing well. Um, because that's that's a group that just that at least for me as we sort of talk about what do you want to see in the second half of spring ball, um, you know those guys like Austin Keys, those guys like Cam Riley, continuing to kind of take a take a stranglehold on that group and say you know I'm I'm one of the main guys because they have a handful of guys who could be that at this point. We see Cam Riley out there, we see Wesley Steiner, we see Austin Keys, but you've still got Demario Tolan in the mix. You know Robert Woodyard now that he's healthy from that that knee injury that he had in high school, he was your highest rated recruit. A couple years ago and so um you know it, it's good to hear that that group is coming along well in the spring just I, i'm interested to see who's going to continue to take steps forward because that's a group that you could continue to be in flux in terms of what your you know, what your lineups are what your rotations are until fall camp yeah the big thing is to have guys out there who are athletic and can run because you know maybe desmond his dog can play in some conferences but sec i mean with elite running backs 
uh, you know, elite tight ends. I mean, he, he just would have a difficult time covering those type of guys. So the guys they brought in now, the guys you just mentioned, you know, almost all of them are really quick and athletic. And uh, so I, I've got a feeling they're going to be a little bit better at linebacker this year. That's certainly, you know, what several of the players have told me. Um, and it's just halfway through spring practice, so there's still a lot to prove. But I think they're trending in the right direction there, guys. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, of course, uh, you know, continue to have coverage throughout the rest of spring ball. We'll see how these varying position groups um, continue to go and bring you guys all the coverage possible from that leading up to the A-Day game on April 8th. So thank you guys so much for listening today to this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, go leave us a five-star review. That's the number one thing you can do to help us out. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, we will catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you all soon. Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.